1: See, I forgot that his name was Rodney. And now all I'm going to see is Rodney. Here's the mighty Rodney.
2: <laughs> hey, I'm ready.
1: welcome everyone to the cultaholic classic raw review as the other cultaholic lads are hunkering down ready for in your house we are here via our Pro powered DeLorean long before In Your House even a thing first time around. We'll get to that next year. And who be we, I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter with our portfolio, Tom Campbell, former Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion, hopefully purveyor of a copy of WWF In Your House for the PlayStation by the time this weekend is up. And I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen, of Cultaholic, who has invited six pencils round to his house so he can snap all six and replace them with six pens because he now doesn't need to socially distance as much and he doesn't even need a pencil because he gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry and he is off of America.
3: So wait, first prize is the In Your House video game?
1: Heck yeah. A signed copy of WWF In Your House for the playstation
3: what's second prize a colonoscopy
1: (laughs) (laughs) you can do that with a copy of wwf in your house for the playstation i mean true you could get a hyper realistic wrestling video game that you know you know i I mean i've spent a lot of time playing 2k19 uh during the downtime that i've had uh, in this past week and uh, i'm enjoying uh professionally building the move set of rampage brown you could do that or, or you could play as the Undertaker, who shoots green skulls from his hands. And I know where my money's going.
3: Or you could play 2K20, which is the video game embodiment of the year 2020.
1: <laughs> you know what? They knew. They knew, didn't they? <laughs> they knew how awful it's this glitchy, year was and you could be. play
3: as monsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it's. it's... Uh, I haven't played that game since like the second week I had it
1: i i'm too i thing is i love the idea of some of the stuff in that game but i can't bring myself to play it because i i love playing 2k19 i'm a big fan of 2k19 and uh a 2k20 just seems such a departure i can't bring myself to do it
3: yeah it's like watching the video in the ring where like a week later you're possibly deceased
1: oh i tell you what i am excited about we are now one month away from Retromania.
3: Ah uh, yes i actually very excited about that game with all the hype for it
1: i'm sorry mate i'm buzzing absolutely buzzing for Retromania. like they
3: actually had a um, they actually had a booth for it at, at the last house of hardcore show i went to it was like a demo version we could
1: play as a road warriors nice but the stuff they've added since then though like oh mate mm. the nwa power sound is in it oh,
3: i know so mm. it's exciting
1: I wish, like, we could, like, if, if somebody could somehow hack 2K19 so you could build the NWA Power Soundstage, I would mm. play that game all the time.
3: I just want the simplistic WrestleFest style presentation, I, I lost quarters upon quarters in that game 30 years ago playing at the arcades.
1: WrestleFest was phenomenal. But, mate, we're not here to revel in the past, we're here to trudge through it. Because we are chronologically (laughs) critiquing, thank you OSW Review, every single episode of Monday Night Raw from the very beginning to one of our eventual deaths. And we are deep Mm -hmm. into 1994 at this point. Uh, Where and when are we this week, Justin Henry?
3: Uh, We are live this week. It is Monday, October the 17th, 1994. We are in Burlington, Vermont, as evidenced by our intro to the show, which we'll get to in a moment. And... um, yeah, it's live, and this this is also the last time that Randy Savage ever works for the company. What? Well, last time he, were, he, he works on site at an arena for the
1: company. Oh, I thought it was the last week we had Savage. Oh, yeah. don't do that. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready.
3: Well, <laughs> we're, getting clo- we're getting closer. Oh,
1: no. No. I don't want him to go. I don't want him to go. I'm not well, ready. He... I'm not ready. Well,
3: Well, Tom, it's inevitable.
1: <laughs> oh no, Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark, please don't. <laughs> I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Um. So this week in wrestling, uh, just to give you a little dance around the houses, we have an injury on an already very thin WWF roster, Justin Henry.
3: Well, thank God it's not one of the most talented people on the roster. Oh, crap, it's Shawn
1: Michaels. (laughs) Yes, it certainly is. Shawn Michaels, on the 14th of this month, uh, broke his hand in Baltimore. No word on how long he'll be out of action, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. Uh, But it's said to be a bad break, literally and metaphorically. Uh, They can't acknowledge it on TV for at least three weeks because he's pre taped stuff for the Action Zone coming up. But Diesel is going to be working some single stuff going forward, I'm sure that uh, it's only temporary and i'm sure diesel will just be a placeholder for when mm-hmm. sure michaels gets back oh god that's when the seven seal was opened <laughs>
2: uh
1: talking of seven seals uh davy boy smith broke more than seven seals uh when he was ordered to stand trial in calgary for assault on a, after a bar brawl in the summer of 93 do you know much about this fight that davy was in in 93 <laughs> justin
3: Yes, actually, James Dixon cobbled it all together in the book Titan Shattered.
1: Ah, I know and he I mean, did. It's a great book you guys did.
3: Well, the, that's, the one, that's one of the ones he did alone.
1: A great book you guys did.
3: <laughs> yes, I'm sure I'll, I'll take half credit for it.
1: Take some credit from Dixon as well. He won't mind. He, he, can, so he, won't he mind.
3: consulted me on a few... <laughs> he did consult me on a couple of things, but I didn't really add a whole lot to that book. It's, but, um... Yeah, apparently some college kid tried to put the moves on um Davey's wife Diana. And Dave went to drag him out of the bar and uh got a little heated and the kid I guess passed out in his grasp and fell and smashed his head a la Richard Belzer. And they tried to sue saying that Davy pile drove him into the floor or whatever. And um uh, Davey ends up winning.
1: <laughs> uh however it's uh yeah, that trial is set to kick off very, very soon. Uh, incidentally, I was ringside when I watched James Dixon throw a fireball at a man. Was he so, was he
3: trying to um put the moves on Diana Hart Smith?
1: <laughs> I think he might have been. Either I that, he was defending his three CW tag team titles. Big love to Dragon Aizu. Uh Also this week in the also in this particular time frame in the wrestling world. Uh, Meltzer's in a right. Meltzer's grumpy this week in the Observer <laughs> like he's got like and and you know what Dave he divides people but I'm a big fan of Dave's work I think you know what it's great that we live in this time where we have access to the archives of of, of a real legitimate wrestling historian but my god he's got a pine cone up his ass this week in the Observer. Um, Uh, It starts the Observer by saying, it goes without saying that the depth of wrestling (coughs) talent in the United States has never been this thin. If not in in recent memory, if not ever. To think this doesn't have a major effect internationally is to be short-sighted. Case in point, Jungle Jim Steele debuts next month for All Japan as part of its tag team tournament. Well, first of all, Dave, (coughs) bit of shade on Jim (coughs) Steele.
3: Well, I'm not saying we're (laughs) doomed necessarily but um yeah i think we're pretty well screwed we we probably we probably should um we should um start stocking up canned goods because i think we're gonna be um it's not good i i would say um i'd rather uh wow um I think I'd rather watch Akeem take on Borzukov in in a three-hour Iron Man match. Yeah. um, I need you to work Friday, Peter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think, right, we need to redress this balance because poor Jungle Jim Steele getting shade thrown at him at the start of The Observer simply for getting a break in Japan, right? Let's, Let's redress the balance. John... Can you please uh, do Jungle Jim Steele as the Triple Crown Champion, please?
3: Actually, Jim Steele did wrestle in All Japan for a while and, and got really, really good over there.
1: There you go. There you go.
3: I mean, not like, um, you know, Okada Omega levels, but he got, he got
1: much better. He is, according to John Eiley. Photoshop John. I want Jungle Jim <laughs> Steele with not just the Triple Crown, actually, uh, with the <laughs> IWGP title as well <laughs> and the WWE title. And maybe a dragon in the background—that'd be grand.
3: Actually, actually, he did win DM um, All Asia Tag Team titles with Johnny Smith at one point in All Japan.
1: So there you go. He's got—he's all right. His old jungle. In fact, late,
3: a, few, a few years later in 1997, he took on the character of Wolf Hawkfield from Virtua Fighter.
1: <laughs> I mean, I like just the name.
3: Wolf. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's like a badass name, Wolf Hawkfield. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's, that's, that look that is that is the man that is going to eat you once he kills you
3: it's like kick-ass mcbicep
1: <laughs> incidentally speaking of beat 'em up games um robocop's in mortal combat he is yeah i don't know. i was watching the trailer for mortal Kombat and right at the very end it's revealed that robocop is a playable character <laughs>
3: does he save sting from shell Khan.
1: oh i wish he did i wish he did but you know what that if you're gonna do that in any year you might as well do it in 2020 because this is um, yeah. just just weird so just keep piling on keep lathering the weirdness in also wcw <laughs> is reviving its magazine and it's using a company from germany to publish it uh, did you ever buy wcw magazine sir
3: on a few occasions i did any good I mean, it was just a mark mag for kids, basically. I mean, it was fine.
1: I like to think that that was what you said to the news agent seller as you were buying it. <laughs> as, a, as a kid. Yes. Hey, I was going to buy yes. this mark mag for kids.
3: Yes, when I was 10 years old. Yes, mate. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm, I'm glad to see their
1: FTR in that magazine. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. We are getting a WrestleMania main event several years early but it's happening in Memphis.
2: Mm,
3: I know it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, from the observer, pretty much everything on television uh, for USWA is gearing up for Sid Vicious versus Undertaker for the unified title on the 17th of October. Jerry Law did an interview saying the Memphis fans were lucky because they were the only city in the country that could see a Vicious versus Undertaker match. Insert your <laughs> own joke, verbatim Meltzer, you grumpy bastard. Don't have much in the way of details, but no, the Undertaker won the match via DQ when he had vicious pinned, and the Spellbinder interfered for the title-saving disqualification.
3: Maybe Dave's bowflex broke.
1: He was something something crawled up his ass this week. <laughs> just just a grumpy man, and it's fine. We you know what? Sometimes we do have bad days, but I just I imagine you know that GIF that does the round of Jim Kerry just mashing the keyboard in. Uh, in uh, in i think it was liar 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 uh i i'm imagining yeah. dave doing that as he's writing the observer in this particular week just not at not oh wait that happy soul. no no
3: that was um Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty, my mistake
1: oh yes because he's he, applying to the uh prayers wasn't he
3: answer, yes answering answering the prayers
1: there you go there you go stop your messages <laughs> we got the right one at the end that's fine uh, there you go so that's it that's a little round the houses I've got a few other bits and pieces that uh, we can touch on as we are rolling into the show oh by the way Michinoku Pro uh, are now pushing for the end of this month an electrified barbed wire match between the great Sasuke and Onita
3: oh my goodness yeah
1: boy Some electrified barbed wire shenanigans at Michinoku Pro now we're
3: going to play a game called did that match happen it is Onita it is find <laughs> <laughs> we- out Later in the month. Oh, yeah. We need some no no. That's like it's a game a show. It's did, it's did,
1: did that match happen? And here's your host, Onita. Uh,
3: <laughs> Onita, oh, uh, no shows. <laughs>
1: yeah, just just a shot of the stage for an half an hour. That's right. It's like
3: Hans, Hans Moleman or something?
1: <laughs> I'll be Onita. Uh,
3: wow, wow, that was pretty good, man. Thanks. Thank you. A uh, uh, quick note before we hop out of the Observer. Oh, go on. Every time we do this for for, for for these older shows, I jump down to the readers' pages part, which is like almost like a classified ad section. Oh, you so and so is looking I feel, for. I see.
1: I feel oh. like that's the comment section uh, of uh, the YouTube mm. section. But I'm glad that you look. Mm.
3: Well, I look for the classifieds part where it's like you know, like so and so is looking for old mid south tapes or whatever, or so and so looking for this Hasbro figure. Okay. Because because I always recognize at least one name, <laughs> and sure enough, and sure enough, this week I did find a name that recognized. <clears throat> keep in mind this is 1994 okay brian last of of long beach new york is looking for old observers and japanese wrestling comic books Ooh,
1: oh nice
3: every now and then you find a name that it's like oh, okay like he's still relevant today that person like like john areezy will pop up in there the most random one i ever found if i could be self-indulgent for a moment
1: no mate go for it
3: this was a while ago it was when the 88 the 88 rumble issue was put up on on the site I can't remember why that one was selected at random, but it went up there, and I browsed through it, and someone sent in a letter to Dave, a 15-year-old kid from Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey, which is about half hour away from me. And he was complaining because of the double entendres that wrestlers would use on NWA broadcasts <laughs> because his mother would walk in the room and hear them and, and give him a hard time about it. So I thought it was kind of, kind of amusing, and then I got to the name. And sure enough, it was. The man's name is Greg Roman, and I immediately recognize that name because he is now an NFL offensive coordinator. Once that once that went from being a head coach one day. Oh wow! I love that. And, and I recognize it because, um, you know, he he's always in the paper for the whole local boy does good angle because like he's, he's kind of made it big in life.
1: Incidentally, <laughs> oh, we should probably fill people in who don't know. Brian Last. It was the six oh five, wasn't it? It's a 605. Yes, that, and he's also Jim Cornette's co-host. Jimmy, he's the Jim Cornette experience guy as well, lest I forget as well. Enough of that. Let's crack on with this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. I hand you over to the capable hands of Justin Henry to talk us through Raw this week. A live episode of Raw. So it's going to be good, right? Just... <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be a good one. Feel it in the waters.
3: See, that's what I thought going in. and it's like, well... <laughs> it's it's live it's good. Go. Oh, by the way, I I, I did find Onita did face Sasaki in said match.
1: Oh, they did happen. They did happen. Well, we wouldn't know because yeah. Onita didn't turn up to tell us.
3: And no ropes, barbed wire, time bomb, explain, landmine, double hell, death match. Onita be Sasaki in 15 minutes. Anyway.
1: <laughs> it, takes, it takes longer to actually say the match name than they actually wrestled.
3: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> So yes, I, I was optimistic for this week's show because the live show is always the always the liveliest one, mm-hmm. and it, and it doesn't reek of um it doesn't reek of musk by the time you get to the third episode of the tape when everyone's just dead, and you gotta rely on the heat machine more and more. Um, we get off on on the right foot, and by the right foot, I mean we step on a Lego <laughs> when uh we have these outside shots of Burlington, Vermont. What I assume is Burlington, Vermont. You know, the, the fall foliage, these nice-looking, you know, brownstone buildings. Savage dubs it over, this isn't the Learning Channel! <laughs> and as he as he and Vince do all, almost a scenic look at downtown Burlington and rural Burlington, and I'm like, what's the point of this? <laughs> are, are, are they so ashamed of the location because it's not a big city that they're like, Oh, look how great it is here. It's, uh, you know, we're in a nice area. This isn't Hickville by any means.
1: I love it. He's, it's just, just Savage just rattling off as he is one to do. It's, it's certainly becoming, he seems more comfortable with just being more nonsensical.
3: So we immediately start off with doink and dink with wink.
1: <laughs>
3: God, I hate myself for, for uttering that sentence.
1: So this has happened between Raw episodes, hasn't it?
3: Uh, yeah, because this was too hot for cable, so they had to um, introduce Wink on the weekend shows. <clears throat> yes, Wink had Dink, now he has Wink. Another mini sidekick as we're building to... <sighs> Charming match <of> Survivor <laughs> Series.
1: <laughs> I don't know whether I'm looking forward to Survivor Series or not. I don't know whether I'm looking forward to watching it with you or not. I can't tell at this point.
3: We're definitely getting Matthew for that one.
1: <laughs> I think I think we have to. I think Matthew has to experience that.
3: <laughs> yes, we do. He'll think we're punishing him for some reason, and uh, I'll come up with a reason before then, don't worry.
2: <laughs>
3: so Dink gives Ed Truco a flower, who's one of the Spanish announcers, gives him a flower. And, and the flower droops because it, it, it's a trick flower. It sags.
1: <laughs> and knobs from the nasty boys. <laughs>
3: Bobby Heenan once said that knobs and sags sound like symptoms of menopause. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, even even when he's not here, Heenan's the best commentator of the night.
3: <laughs> yes. So we get we get the Raw intro, but it's not the usual Raw intro, Tommy. Oh, no. That's certainly not. We have Todd Pettengill in the middle of the Raw theme and the usual Raw opening, plugging Stridex <laughs> with a big-ass Stridex logo right in the middle of the screen.
1: Oh, man. Raw is sponsored by Zit Cream. <laughs> does that not say everything about your core demographic?
3: It certainly does. And oh, let me tell you man. something from personal experience. If you have a gash on your forehead for any reason, do not run a Stridex pad over it.
1: Please tell us the story.
3: Oh, it burned. <laughs> I was about 14. I got cut open playing sports outside. And and as usual, I, I applied the um, StrideX pads the way, the way I was doing daily at that point, or or twice daily, and oof, like Onita wouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I heard he had a StrideX death match about a week after this show happened.
3: <laughs> I'd rather slam my nuts in the sliding glass door than do that again. <laughs> that was searing pain. Anyway. So Vince and Savage do the intro in darkness because they forgot to turn the lights on for this, which is a nice microcosm for WF1994. Really they're in the they're in the dark and they can't help it. <laughs> Until finally they shine the police spotlight over them. And, and they can do the intro proper while Dink's music plays in the background. This is a microcosm for WF1994.
1: It really is. It re- It's just... I mean, I, I like the atmosphere. You can tell it's a live show. It certainly feels <clears> like <throat> w- they want us to be there. And uh, <laughs> whether or not the wrestling is the case is, is yet to be seen. Doink's the first match
2: out.
3: It's like a rave if the, if the DJ no-showed. <laughs> so we're playing circus music for some reason. We but we, do, but we do start out with Doink versus Jeff Jarrett. A match that started out really bad... And the wrestling was good at the end, but my God, everything around it was terrible.
1: Uh, from the Observer, it appears they're going to film a nightclub uh, in Las Vegas segment with Jeff Jarrett.
3: Is it the same place where he held the GFW tapings in 2015?
1: <laughs> I think. No, you're thinking, you're thinking of a very empty football stadium or baseball stadium, wasn't it?
3: God. It was actually indoors, the uh, tapings.
1: <laughs> it was just hot, so they all went outside for a cigarette. <laughs> no, they did. They did the tapings in Vegas. But the one thing that I remember seeing from from Global Force Wrestling was Kevin Nash like limping towards a ring on the baseball stadium field, and just mm-hmm. thinking, "This is the big company. This is really quite sad." <laughs> it doesn't work for me.
3: <laughs> there was nothing elite about that. <laughs> So just to kind of paint the picture here, if you have not watched this episode, Dwink is wearing his orange and blue tinted outfit and has green hair and he's wearing yellow boots with it. Picture that, if you will. Jarrett, meanwhile, is wearing mango, yellow, and purple with black boots. I think they have all the colors covered here.
1: Just, you know what? If you're watching, don't adjust your contrast because this is very, very bright.
3: (laughs) If you, if you ever got a box of those like sixty four Crayola crayons, this is basically what it looks like. Got a nice spot earlier where Dink bites Jarrett's ass. Which is like I I wouldn't just write that off as like like haha, stupid comedy. But then Dwink takes Jarrett over in a side headlock, and Jarrett rubs his ass while Dwink works the headlock and still selling it. I'll give Jarrett credit. That that was commitment to the bite gag.
1: Yeah, I liked it. I was I was pleased that they stuck with it. <laughs> Despite how <laughs> crap the gag is,
3: it's so bad that Doink has a perm now.
1: It didn't look right. The, who is Doink here?
3: Doink is still Ray Apollo.
1: Still Ray Apollo. I don't know why he just looked different here. I don't know whether it was the perm because it looked like a different Doink. Well, the the perm and the
3: blue and orange outfit this, that just looks garish. Mm.
1: It just it looked like it was it looked like the costume was thrown on this week.
3: Yeah, there's like a. Like half afro, half perm for the wig, and it's not a good look. We get this long abdominal stretch from Jarrett. Just a long abdominal stretch. We're just killing time here, even though it's the first show of a taping. (laughs) I don't know why we're stalling.
1: I don't know why they. I just. I'm intrigued as to why they choose some matches to go, certain matches to go long, in comparison to others. I guess because like as we'll find out, sort of the rest of the night is sort of nobody's fighting stars. So this is the only sort of star versus star clash on this particular show. So I guess they want to give well, this the most time.
3: Well, yeah, because that is the formula, you know, one star versus star match uh, per, per episode and the rest of it is just filler, building block squash matches. And It is during this sequence that Queasy and Sleazy hit the ring. Although we don't know Sleazy's name yet. And so, basically, you have two miniature kings walking out. Queesby has been established as Little Louie, and the man we learn is Sleazy. Basically looks like somebody's shrunk comedian Rich Voss.
2: <laughs>
3: and, and um, I mean, even, to be even shorter than he already is. I actually wrote in my notes, this is the start of the taping.
2: <laughs>
3: as if to convince myself that I was not being ribbed here. And Savage and Vince are all over this idea of who Queasy's friend could be, like, really, really into the mystery, as this is like the NWO's third man mystery. Like, who is this person that is with Queasy?
1: He was like, very angry about it, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, they're, they're conjuring up uh, emotions that should not exist. And a, a level of interest that should not exist either.
1: I, you can tell Vince is very invested in this particular story and how it's going to play out.
3: Glad somebody is.
1: Yeah, that makes one whole person.
3: <laughs> Doink is so bored by this match that when Jericho goes for a pin not long after, he doesn't even bother getting his shoulder up on two, and the referee has it to pretend he kicked out anyway.
2: <laughs>
3: so, and then we come to a truly surreal moment. Now, Tom, we have made much mention of how Vince and company awkwardly shoehorn in celebrity stories into the commentary or whatever's in the news that day in order to try and make themselves culturally relevant. They convince themselves that that they're not a two-bit wrestling operation, correct?
1: Correct.
3: So, <clears throat> at some point during this match, for no apparent reason, Vince implies that Dink and Wink may auction their hair if Doink loses, which allows me to segue into a story of how country singer Conway Twitty has had to auction some stuff off.
1: I mean, it was a strong effort to to tie in a topical reference. I'm quite proud. Even Knievel
3: could make that leap.
1: I'm quite proud of the uh, <laughs> the, the, the leap that was made there.
3: I mean, that is how desperate were you to try to work that in? And what wrestling fan gives two dams about Conway Twitty?
1: <laughs> but then it was like the other week, did he mention? There was a, it was the birthday that he mentioned last week. And it was so not on brand.
3: I, I, it see, Chubby I, I
1: feel like it was Chubby right, Decker. It was.
3: it was. Yes, let's do the twist in 1968. It's
1: so, it's like, a, this is the guy that hired Tiny Tim to come and do tiptoe through the through the tulips <laughs> through the window whatever it's called you know if...
3: it is it is tulips yes
1: <laughs> that's fine I'm just checking um, so he, Vince is notorious <laughs> for being out of touch and out of time and out of his hair when you're not around he, you know he's the same guy that in in the late in the late teens put on a show called Great Balls of Fire Vince has made a career out of being pretty out of touch. The same guy that said in 2005, "I'm not having a pirate gimmick. Nobody's sent pirates to the Caribbean."
3: Yeah. Well, Cornet even said during one of those Dark Side of the Rings, I think it was the Brawl for All one day. He doesn't think Vince has been in the movies in 40 years or been to a grocery store in the same amount of time.
2: <laughs>
3: and I can believe
1: that. I can believe it too. I can believe it too. So Vince's reference, Vince's room is like a Mr. Burns, isn't he? It's very yeah, she,
3: Mr. Burns. It's like the episode when Bart was his heir and he tries to play football with him and he's wearing like the old school leather football helmet. <laughs> it's, it's like, of course, I bet that's what Vince Six football still is. <laughs> of course I... I miss the XFL players didn't have didn't have the leather helmets on.
1: That makes me so, sad that they didn't.
3: What the hell, CTE? <laughs> so the match at this point perhaps spurred by the realization that, oh my God, this has been awful so far, actually picks up Ray Apollo for as much as we, you know, credit Matt Bourne as being the shiny beacon of what Dwight was supposed to be and hold everything else after him as being, you know, inferior brand X stuff. Ray Apollo was a really good wrestler.
1: Yeah. I just feel like, Mm -hmm. like if he was left to be a bit more Ray Apollo, it would have been fine. Mm -hmm. This, this gimmick very Mm -hmm. much sort of tied him down. Mm
3: He gets this beautiful double underhook suplex, or a butterfly suplex, as they sometimes call it. Great snap power slam at one point. Ray Apollo could go in the ring.
1: Yeah, and it was just a shame that he spent a lot of his time as another doink.
3: Not just another doink, but, you know, the toothless version of doink.
1: The toothless doink. Or just hey.
3: Well, that's, uh, that's what he was, smiling his way through a bunch of, like, you, you know, hack jokes. Like, like make Bazooka make bazooka look like george carlin by comparison
1: (laughs) he is the doink that will forever have what we're about what we're talking about in a few weeks time at survivor series
3: yeah so we get to some amazing spot where sleazy hops up on the apron and Jarrett either charges at doink or doink or gets whipped in the ribs or whatever Jarrett flies into him and sleazy goes flying
2: oh
1: god it's like genuinely that was a hell of a bump that he took
3: Spike Dudley would watch that bump after years of Bam Bam Bigelow throwing him into the fifth row at the ECW arena and go, "Dude, you're nuts."
1: Mm, it was that was that looked bad. That looked bad. And do you know what sucked? It didn't even signal the end of the match.
3: Mm, no, because now we have a mini chase, it's like Mario Kart around the ring on on foot. So we get the whoopee cushion minus the sound effect. Maybe they're phasing it out finally.
2: Thank Meanwhile, goodness. the
3: referees all t- the referees tied up with this um, speeder race around ringside. Lawler interferes, comes off the second ropes, hits Jarrett, or hits link with something in his fist. Jarrett covers and gets the win. The match got good at the end, but there was just way too much silliness otherwise.
1: Yeah, it picked up, but it was just it didn't need to be as long as drawn out as it was. It really didn't.
3: No, it really didn't. It was it was it got good. It, toward the end, but it was way too way too long a road to hoe to get there.
1: It's just a worry that like this is how thin the roster is right now. Is that they're they mm-hmm. they're about to you know get settled in for several weeks worth of taping. So they want to stretch the roster as best they can. So therefore the feature match for this night is Doink versus Jeff Jarrett.
3: Well it'll all be better when Scott Norton comes in as Mantar. Yes Come Wait, on you you Mantar
1: Actually, I don't know if that's sure enough. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure Scott Norton being offered the role. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he could play it quite well. Well, imagine if Manta had come in and he'd been like a like a strong like like a strong style Japanese wrestling type. That would have been phenomenal. <laughs> so this 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 garbage gimmick comes out of the ring and then he starts wrestling and it's all these snug suplexes and, and heavy forearms. Be
2: brilliant. <laughs>
3: Certainly would be, and 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 Scott Norman would definitely boosted this period from a uh you know a wrestling standpoint, especially seeing how thin this roster is. But still, just don't know why it didn't work out. Then after the match, Lawler formally introduces Sleazy to, to the world. Glad I'm just glad Sleazy's alive at this point after taking that bump. And Vincent Savage act like this is um. This is on par with ECW and WCW joining together to form the alliance. In, <laughs> in, in, in terms of shock and awe.
1: <laughs> the name on the contract does say easy, but the name <laughs> on the contract reads <laughs> sleazy.
3: <laughs> John.
1: <laughs> John, can we get Vince McMahon reacting to sleazy, but using the split cam from 2001? <laughs> And just like Queasy kicked your ass in the past, it will again at Survivor Series.
3: Hey, here's Davy Boy.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The gang's all here.
3: <laughs> well, it's not just Davy Boy though, because he's he has a squash match coming up. So we show him backstage jogging in place while grimacing.
1: <laughs> Why did he look so strained to be
3: jogging? Because <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, he knew he had his work cut off. from trying to top that last match.
1: <laughs> he knew that this was going to be a war in order to get people on his side. It's, it's like, it, all I could think of there was, it was like he needed the Wii and he'd eaten quite a he'd eaten quite a strong mint at the same time. <laughs> that was what it looked like. We're at the <laughs> he was certainly effed if he didn't go for a pee. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, speaking of um urine quality, we had we have an action zone plug. <laughs> Although this match is not this match is of higher quality. I was going to
1: say, how dare you? We've just watched Doink and Jeff, and you're going, oh urine quality. Brett and Owen on the
2: action zone.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, action zone in general is um unmemorable. Oh, it started out good with with two great weeks of wrestling. <laughs> Case in point here, Brett and Owen for, for the title. Although I have to take umbrage with something Owen said in this promo, where Owens vowing to win the belt, and he goes, "This is going to be my night." The show airs at noon on
2: Sunday. <laughs>
1: Whoops, awkward. <laughs> uh, so this is so this is Kodak. This, this is the all new look uh, weekend lineup for the WWF, bringing in the Action Zone, which we know is a reaction to uh, football on a Sunday. Uh, being very talk-heavy, they're going to be very wrestling-heavy. Uh, incidentally, over the weekend, we had the last episode of WWF All-American. Uh,
3: After over 11 years on the 11 air.
1: 11 years. Uh, the final show, it was the old clips uh, of, uh, sort of the best of All-American, all, American, uh, all mm-hmm. whilst uh, Al Hayes and Vince McMahon were tearing. The... Well, they, were, they were both in it, but the, most of the show was spent... with the stage the set being torn down and Ted DiBiase being upset with it
3: yeah actually the old All-American show shows actually showed stuff from other promotions at the time I don't don't know if you know that or not like like other territories no I didn't know that the very first few episodes when Vince was still building the Empire
1: oh wow I like that there isn't anywhere that really does that now
3: I mean, it didn't last long, mind you. You know, once uh, once McManifest Destiny came rolling in, then that all changed. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's kind of funny because All American Wrestling was the very first USA Network show for for McMahon. It was his first foray in the cable in general. And 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 the, and the way he got on there was because preceding um preceding WWF on USA. Um, Joe Blanchard's Southwest Championship Wrestling was on USA Network. The one where, where his, his son Tully wrestled. Mm-hmm. Among other stars, Adrian Adonis and a few others. I mean, many others, actually. And they got thrown off the air in the summer of 83 because either... I've, I've heard two different stories. One says it was there was a match that had too much blood in it and it, and it pissed off the network. And another says... I think it's according to Mike Mooneyham's book... um like Sex, Lies, and Headlocks, that two wrestlers threw pig feces at each other during a match and upset people. Because they were outside brawling, I guess. Well, either way, once, uh, once USA was unhappy with Southwest, Vince sidled in and put over his family-friendly product, and that's how he got on USA Network in
2: 1983.
3: Ah! Assuming their time slot.
1: Sneaking in there.
3: And USA Network, he's still there today, 37 years later. After... Minus a five-year law where he was on um, TNN and Slash Spike TV. Well,
1: the more you know, the more you know. Was there a particular episode of All American that you remember? No.
3: It, by the time I got into watching it around 89, 90, it was just like a—it uh, was a glorified recap show with like one feature match a week. It was just there just to just supplement like the you know the big angles and stuff like that. It was basically what. Uh, kind of like what main event is now, but but like, except it was more, a bit more visible than, you know, like Ricochet versus Riddick Moss or whatever.
2: Mm.
3: You might get like, you know, the genius versus Hercules or something.
1: You might get something a bit beefier.
3: (laughs) Yes, it's like, oh, Rick Martell versus Tim Horner. This is a big week.
1: (laughs) I remember a lot of the focus for a while was around Gene Oakland and Bobby Heenan.
3: Yeah, I mean, as the show went on, they had like a you know, bumper segments between uh, you know storyline recaps and future matches. But a lot of times it was just like Mean Gene hosting the show from like um, you know the TV studio where he did like he he did like the a magazine update or the TV update or whatever, or Lord Alfred would host it or or something like that. It kind of changed in format a little bit through the years. It was basically just a supplementary show and nothing more.
1: Shame to see it end, but they obviously have big ambitions for whatever's coming next. Certainly by here, the way they're building the first week.
3: Yep, first two weeks, great stuff. After that, see show hell.
1: <laughs> they're really good at writing first chapters, aren't they, wrestling bookers? They're really good at first oh, yeah. chapters,
3: and then they lose interest.
1: Yeah, just get bored, and uh, and they're never seen of again.
3: We need to go back in time to see how our first two episodes of the show. Went and then and then go from there. Oh, maybe
1: for our one hundredth anniversary, we will we'll we'll have a little wait, step wait, wait. back in time. One hundredth anniversary. Yes, when we are a thousand <laughs> years old. <laughs> <laughs> for the one hundredth anniversary, of the Cultaholic Classic Raw review.
3: When we're just skeletons <laughs> Our heads in jars, like Futurama.
1: <laughs> talking about oh god, by that point we'd be talking about flipping raw we, we, raw from the twenty first century. God.
3: <laughs> okay, so Riddick Moss takes on <laughs> Austin Theory.
1: Oh, God, kill me! <laughs> <laughs> oh. When do we get to the microchip era where everybody just has things planted in their heads?
3: <laughs> it sure was much better when both of us could walk.
1: <laughs> um, Which of Triple H's kids is champion this week, I wonder? <laughs>
3: Uh, according to this, Johnny Gargano III.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wrestling in the future is going to be hilarious.
3: Davy Boy, <laughs> Boy Smith versus Roy Raymond. I love this match. This was better than Doing Richard's chair, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> Roy Raymond kicked out of three possible finishes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Roy is a badass.
3: Roy Raymond was the Goldberg of generic jobbers.
2: <laughs>
1: he just didn't care, did he? Turned up dressed like a mint. Yeah. Probably, why, also... <laughs> probably why Bulldog was nervous about him, <laughs> since he had that really hot fresh mint just backstage. And then there's this guy dressed as a mint.
3: <laughs> Remember, when it took Brock seven F5s to put Roman away at WrestleMania 34.
1: <laughs> He'd still be F5 in him at this point. <laughs> so uh... Ray, Ray would have Ray would have built strong calves simply by constantly kicking out by this point.
3: I mean Roy Raymond and Roman Reigns do have the same initials. <laughs> da-da, da-da, John? Da-da, da-da, da-da. My client myself is going to
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got no discernible moves, but I'm gonna kick out of all of yours
3: <laughs> Delayed suplexity <Eddie. laughs>
1: I mean that's a gimm- <laughs> that's a gimmick in itself, isn't it? Just like just a jobber that won't die.
3: The dog incarnate. <laughs> the yes, dog boy, incarnate. Yes, Roy Raymond is the T one thousand.
1: He just Bulldog. it's impossible to beat him. If you basically if you're in a match with uh you're in a match with with our Roy, it's either you forfeit or you simply wrestle him till the end of time.
3: I know this was this was something because uh, Bulldog was so nervous. He came out with his cape on backwards.
2: I <laughs> did, did. you me? catch that?
3: <laughs> he had he had he had the um, flag logo facing inward and just the generic gold part facing
2: outward. Oh
1: my! Oh for God! He did. I'm just I'm just pulling it up now and I'm just seeing him take the jacket off and it's so lovely, <laughs> And gold and shiny underneath. <laughs> oh my! <mate. laughs> I was hoping it would say Godlub on the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bulldog. thing is, you can tell he's nervous as he's wrestling because there is there is like an awkwardness about him. Like a clumsiness about him.
3: Is Roy Raymond a pseudonym for like Chuck Liddell or something?
1: <laughs> maybe. Maybe Bulldog owes him money and there's, hence the nervousness. But Jesus, i tell you what though. You... You, it's obvious that Vince McMahon has big plans for Bulldog. But literally mm. by the presentation of him, like the, the fireworks. Oh, and by the way, Vince, stop saying the rocket's red glare. That's a different mm. song.
3: Oh, say can you see? Anyway.
1: <laughs> it's nothing to do with God Save the Queen, the rocket's red flare. <laughs> Why do you keep saying it? So he had rocket's red flare in and he had pyro glare, a jacket Rock that was red. inside glare.
3: out. <laughs> glare. Glare. Rockets red glare.
1: Oh, glare. Sorry. Anthem. See, even I got it wrong. And them right,
3: Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> and, the,
1: and the Rockets green <laughs> glare. There you go. I've got it right now. Um, Well,
3: well I mean, I understand you you, know, you don't know mine, you don't know yours, because you never hear it either at the end of a Men's World Cup.
1: <laughs> I barely hear. I barely hear ours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> <It's>... <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, so yes, uh, well, first off, Vince has had it with these talk shows. He's going on about these football talk shows during um, Bulldogs' intro.
1: He really is that's... just banging on about him, and he? he's—he's not a happy camper.
3: He's very obsessed. He's very obsessed with um, and he thinks the audience shares his obsession with bringing down Fox NFL Sunday. Spoiler alert: Terry Bradshaw still on the air today. <laughs> On on Sunday mornings during the football season, the we the nowhere to be seen. Mm. So Roy Raymond smacks the crap out of Bulldog early in this match. I mean, he waylays him. This is um. So Bulldog has an uphill battle here. Yes. He goes for the for the, for the delayed suplex, holds him up for a long time, and Savage goes up. Says, "What goes up must or was what goes up must come down." It was, um, I guess it was must come down. He said because Savage holds up the last word forever. Because he he, he underestimated how
1: long he'd be up there for. So he's like, "Must come down." Down. It was a lovely moment by by Savage.
3: By the time he finished the sentence, he was already in WCW. (laughs) <laughs> Vince does say that Bulldogs bite is worse than his bark, which could be a commentary on his promos.
1: My I bite is nah. worse than my bark, and other words <laughs> in order.
3: I'm part of the new generation. Wink at camera. You just read all the words on the script. So Bulldog gets this nice-looking double underhook, and Ram starts fighting back. I don't know if this turn into a shoot or not. <laughs>
1: The the one part where I thought this might be a shoot was after after a very wobbly superplex, and Bulldog goes for a knee, but I don't know what I don't know what (laughs) I don't know what Roy's knees are made of because Ray kept running and Bulldog hit the ground.
3: Oh, wait, I was supposed to sell that.
1: <laughs> and to Roy's credit, Roy, ever the professional, realized he had to sell it. <laughs> Stopped <laughs> mid-run and looked like he was out of breath. <laughs> well,
3: it's, uh, it's been a grueling match so far.
1: It's tough kicking out of 37 <laughs> finishes. It's tired.
3: You're he kicked out at least twice from moves that would finish most enhancement talents.
1: What a guy! But in- what a monster!
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, <says>, is. Raymond. Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll be getting the Rockets' regular promo soon. <laughs> he'll be walking through it.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
2: Oh, I
3: I forgot this part of the show. This is my favorite part of the show. I I totally forgot about this part. (laughs) I can hear it on your end, too. I I know what's coming. Now, the WWF has an image problem at this point. They need any rub they can get. (laughs) They need to show that they're hip, that they're accepted as part of Hollywood academia, that they're culturally relevant. So we get these random clips of Burt Reynolds, who was a WrestleMania 10 celebrity, if you recall, mm-hmm. at a book signing because his, his memoirs are out. And uh, Burt Reynolds um, with this long line of people you know, wait when you're waiting to meet him, have, shake his hand, get his get, have their book personalized. Um, has a camera train on him, and Burt looks like he'd rather be anywhere else in the world right now than have that camera on him oh uh, yeah, WF Raw, uh, watch it, and goes back to sign books.
1: <laughs> but Vince is delighted with this, let's be honest, crap <laughs> bit of endorsement from a guy who was at WrestleMania just just the other month. And it's, <laughs> I like to think they had to remind him what it was. I feel like this is just somebody who's run up to Bert and gone, oh, Bert, can you do a shout out for the WWF? Do you know what? This is like... <laughs> This wouldn't. This would have been unacceptable for a Botchamania intro. Yes! I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I am Burt Reynolds. You're watching Botchamania. <laughs> Matthew would have. Matthew would have left this out.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, that's not good enough.
3: I'm uh, oh, Bloody
2: hell, uh,
3: Oh god, there. Well, well, I'm
1: putting that. On. I barely even said the word. <laughs> Love you, Matthew. Oh, I love the bones off of my. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: if you go on Wrestling with Regrets YouTube channel, find the video of the XWF, the short-lived Florida promotion from 2001 that tried to be WCW, because Brian, because our good friend Brian Zane reviews one their DVD set that they released, and there's a part where Hacksaw Jim Duggan interviews Willie Nelson on, like, this camper, like, a a, a travel trailer. And they're just talking about life in general, and Willie Nelson stoned off his ass, is putting over XWF, like, oh, yeah, XWF, future. He has no idea what's going on. And I'm thinking, what a low-rent organization. You want to see WF stoop that low for a celebrity cameo? And and then I watched this, and I was like, all right, I take it back.
2: (laughs) It was awful.
1: It was was just, like... I love that Vince put it in. I've got to admire that Vince put it in. Huh. That'll do.
3: The other good part about this is right after they cut back to Vince and Savage, who were, in, who were glowing from this celebrity cameo. The Savage, says, Savage says he would love to write Vince's memoirs.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he would. And... I'd, I'd like him to write them, but about six months after this.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. And hey, Vince might have a book coming out. Did you hear that? Or a book about Vince's coming out?
1: Oh, I have not heard this.
3: Apparently, there's going to be a memoir, not a personal memoir, but like a possibly unauthorized biography of Vince coming out in in the year 2022. Ooh. and and the guy writing it has a book coming out later this year on the rise and fall of Stan Lee.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that Stan Lee had fallen or did fall.
3: Well, he's since passed on, but there could be some uh, issues there in this book. Depends on. um, I'm assuming this is. It's an unauthorized look at him. If, if if there's a fall involved,
2: yeah. So I, um,
3: I hope not. I liked Stanley. <laughs> based on the tone of that book, however that may go, that could be a parallel to how Vince's book may turn out.
1: Hmm. Keep an eye on that one. I mean, the Vin- it, I'm it, not too bothered if it's a hatchet job on Vince. I don't want them to do a hatchet job on Stanley.
3: <laughs> I'm interested in both. True. Stanley and his Great Simpsons cameo. Worse. Or made better. <laughs> Apparently, his brain is no longer in mint condition. Hey, who does that sound like? <laughs> it's Vince, <rinsing> isn't it? <laughs> no, it could, could be either. <laughs> so, thankfully, after that embarrassing Burt Reynolds moment there, our savior shows up. Aw oh, yeah. To fix this show right. Actually, two saviors show up, but one's more savior than the other. Mr. Bob
1: Back. Yeah, boy. Backlund's in the house. My hero and yours. Oh, what a guy. What a guy.
3: <laughs> he comes out to Vince wearing his bathrobe and with the towel around his neck. Because apparently they're going to show a video from over the weekend on Superstars. And Backlund is miffed by this. He he tells Vince, no need to procure that tape. He... In, that, in, 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 in that deep bellow of his. But go on.
1: I was going to say, he's... Uh, he, he's he his tone in this voice here and 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 alex pointed this out because alex was watching i had this on the 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 big tv in the living room when we watched it and um oh
3: she's a keeper now oh yeah
1: absolutely and uh Mm -hmm. and and alex said he sounds canadian and i hadn't thought of it before but there was like okay there's a canadian twang to the man from minnesota
3: well that's i mean minnesota's pretty close to the canadian border so you, you can kind of uh there is kind of that northernness to the voice. Yeah. Like we hear it in, when Jesse Ventura talks. The sort of Minnesota, when you hear Road Warrior hawk shoot voice. When um, that sort of northernness to it.
1: There is certainly a, uh, yeah, a, a, a yeah. To
3: it. Now I see Bob Backlund in Fargo.
1: <laughs> John? Out here
3: in
2: Brainerd.
3: <laughs> yeah, you betcha, McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Although Fargo's not in Minnesota, it's in North Dakota, but that's beside the point. Doesn't matter. Doing the whole, whole northernness of it. Yeah. Bob Backlund feeding Arnold Scullin into a wood chipper.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> great. If, you, if you've never seen a people-a great movie, Fargo, watch it. Oh, it's amazing. Anyway, possibly better than Lebowski, and that hurts me to say. Lebowski is one of my all-time favorites. But anyway, so Backlund apparently beat up his old manager, Arnold Scullin, over the weekend. What I love about Arnold Scotland is that his hairstyle, he looks like he just walked out of 1947. <laughs> it's, it's, like, all flat on every every part of his head except for the front, which is, like,
1: it's like poofed up. He, he looks like a bank manager in, in a Dick Tracy comic. <laughs> he, there is there is certainly, like, a, a businessman-type vibe about him, which just continues <laughs> to suit his his now evil intentions.
3: It really does. So apparently, um, when Backlund confronted Scotland in this in this segment over, over the weekend, he would not shake Scotland's hand. Scotland was Backlund's former manager, the one who threw in the towel on his behalf. Went back and was hopelessly entrenched in the camel clutch of the Iron Sheik in 83, costing him the belt. So Backlund was still bitter toward him. All right, that's kind of a cool, a cool story callback there. Mm. Bitter at how things turned out for him and bitter at the man who Facilitated that. So Backlund won't even shake Skullin's hand, and Vince yells at him for not shaking his hand. And and and, and Vince basically you know, tries to goad him into an apology. And what I love about Backlund, watching him watch this video, is um, because back Backlund ends up putting Scullen in the chicken one, just like a borderline elderly man that he snatches up. So it's actually more disturbing than than say Luigi and Fredo, the undersized magazine writer. When Backlund watches the footage, there's no anger on his face, there's no sadness, there's no glee. It's just a blank stare. It's
1: just, just he just looks away, doesn't he? He just looks like he's gone.
3: He's totally detached. There's no tether to reality here in Backlund's eyes at all. This is whether this was intentional or not. Backlund has that serial killer vibe to him, where it's like you watch like one of his like first 48 shows when they have somebody in custody. And they're just, like, non-reactive to, like, the horrible things they've done. It's so, it's, better than, it's so good. It's better than it's better than overacting. Like, Backlund is what Dexter Loomis should be. It's, it's just that vibe.
1: Yeah, I, I love it. I, I, it's a good shout, actually. It's a good shout. I'm just a Not big like ba- fan of it.
3: Not to say that Backlund's a serial killer or anything, but he's trying to give up the vibe that he could snap at any moment. He's a, he's a sociopath. And when he's docile and calm, he's perfect. He does it right. So back on – he built up an apology, and you're thinking like, okay, he's going to apologize for hurting his old manager, especially a senior citizen. And he apologizes for ascertaining Scotland as a manager in the first place because, you see, he's still mad about that towel being thrown in. And it could be the very towel that he wears around his neck now that he's never letting go of it. He quotes the date that he saw the light in July of 1994, and he, and then we get the close up of his face, extreme close up. You can't even see his hairline. He tells us we're all doomed as a society. It's so good. He's kind of all over the place here, but that, that's kind of the.
1: Charm but that's of it. it. It's, it's this guy who's just away with the fairies, and almost a bit <laughs> incoherent and and rambling. And I really, and I love it. I just, I look, like, here he is, he's, he, you know, and I like the whole, the whole, like, I'm, I should apologize. And he turns out, oh, I apologize for having him as my manager, which is a bit Jeff Jarrett. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't do it sooner. Like, that's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit Jarrett, but it's Backlund doing it, so I'll forgive it.
3: <laughs> and Backlund starts going on about, how he's a good role model so he's like Britt baker same initials and everything back on back on informs us that he has never that never has he ever eaten marijuana <laughs> <laughs> the best part of that was not only the line but vince's reaction because vince looks like he's beside himself like trying to look like what the, what's wrong with this guy he never swears in front of his children the parents, he, he indicts the parents of America because he takes care of his daughter. <laughs> and she. He, he knows where she's at at night. Do you know where your kids are at?
1: <laughs> I do. I was, the line that he says here, do you know where your kids are at night? I was like, I know where mine are and she isn't out with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Backlund's this,
3: this is an amazing promo. <laughs> so as he then challenges any fan to get out of the chicken wing. Not wrestler but fan because back on his um is a mite cowardly at this point. And out comes the human emergency break himself, Lex Luger.
1: <laughs> oh wow. He is certainly on standard Luger form here.
3: Now we pick on Luger a lot on this show. He's done a lot of great things.
1: He deserves it. <laughs>
2: he deserves it.
3: I will say, he's wearing a dapper 1996 Olympic windbreaker here.
2: <laughs>
3: Which, by the way, his Olympics were were in Atlanta, so maybe that's foreshadowing. I know he's from Atlanta, but... So, so out comes Luger, and he, he gets on their back on the skin by calling him Bobby. Ooh, he didn't call him Mr. Beckley, he called him Bobby. My
1: Bobby? <laughs>
2: to <That's a laughs> quote
3: Lana. All right, <laughs> other They're quoting Trump in 2007. Do we love Bobby?
1: (laughs) Ich bin ein Bobby. Yes, you are, mate. (laughs) Yes, you are. Donald Donald F. Trump. (laughs) (laughs) So
3: Backlund, in response to Luger's, um, you know, criticism and his remarks about Backlund's behavior, says very boldly, he's got a lot of panache.
1: I like the use of the word panache. (laughs)
3: Like he's a swashbuckler from the 15th century. (laughs) Bob Backlund is like a word a day calendar he's, they, he's great one that beats you up
2: <laughs>
3: so basically so Luger basically challenges Backlund I, th- I think that's what happened I, I, I didn't write that part in my notes but I think that's Luger basically called Backlund out for a fight so Backlund jumps in the ring and starts doing the knee drop walk that I
1: love so much it's a one weird a butcher it's, a, it's a- w- like a mating call isn't it that sort of walking in a circle <laughs> knee dropping walk
3: <laughs> kind of the I know the butcher co-opted it in um, AEW.
1: I like it. It just looks a bit like a mating call. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: it's like this. I guess it's like a warm-up move where you're getting ready to you're loosening up the legs for a, a fight. Mm. So Backlund's basically uh, you know saying you know bring it, but the usual gang of videos run out and separate them. I love this segment.
1: It was good. It was good. But he, the thing is that. Any other super baby face, I genuinely believe, wouldn't have just been allowed to be walked away like Luger was. Like, Luger was quite happy to be led away here, which I thought did some damage to his hard man uh, visage, in my opinion.
3: Well, I mean, Luger's, um... he was like the original Orange Cassidy in some ways.
1: (laughs) But not deliberately, though. (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, it was just I was like, oh, I guess I guess the segment's over and he just walks off. <laughs> like Batman could have said horrible stuff about his family, his mother. And Ligar went like, Oh, okay, well Lanza's here so I guess I gotta leave <laughs>
1: Lanza's here. Best be off <laughs> Anyway, Lanza's turned up, but uh, better better be uh better be skilling away. Like, Do you don't want to fight with me. You came out for a fight with me. Yeah, but Lanza's here. Blackjack Lanza's here. That normally means we're not fighting now. <laughs> Like, it's like
3: Christmas story when Flick has his tongue stuck to the pole.
1: <laughs> like, 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 like
3: instead of the bell rang, it's Lance is here. And Ralphie <laughs> runs off. Now I want to see Bob back up from 94 face Orange Cassidy today.
1: Oh, how would that even go? Oh, that's a fascinating discussion. How would that even <laughs> pare down?
3: See, that's the thing. I, I, I can't even envision it. That's what makes it intriguing. Oh,
1: yeah. That's a, uh... That'd be a turn up for the books. Them two knocking about. Oh God, my head can't quite comprehend that.
3: I mean, come on, Orange Cassidy walking out during Double or Nothing and asking the commentators how this match works again. <laughs> you can't, you can't buy comedy like
1: that. So actually, I did for fifty bucks. That's true. Jeez. <laughs> anyway,
3: enough fun.
1: Yeah, sorry. Forgot we were actually fun.
3: Not to say that these next matches weren't, weren't,
1: weren't, weren't,
3: were terrible, but not memorable, certainly. Bob Holly versus Reno Riggins.
1: Reno, Reno, Reno. (laughs) Too many R guys on this show. (laughs) This is, this is our roster. Like, sod everybody that they're beating. We want the guys that are losing.
3: (laughs) Razor Ramon, Reno Riggins, and Roy Raymond. Raymond Roy. (laughs)
1: The funny part is, like, Roy Raymond, Reno Riggins, tim mcnini coming up very soon spoiler big barry mm-hmm. arwitz in there as well it does not mm-hmm. feel like the wxo roster doesn't it
3: <laughs> <laughs> not to that, but the choppers got a lot of offense on this show <laughs> they
1: did it's like they rebelled
3: <laughs> it was the rise of the enhancement talent
1: <laughs> i'd like that like, film. Of The damped. that'd be a fun film <laughs>
3: John, I want Village of the Damned with, like, Bob or Barry Horowitz with, like, yellow eyes. <laughs> <laughs> or blue eyes, whatever the hell it was. I can remember now. So, Bob, Holly, Reno, Riggins. We learned that Holly's going to be facing Bob back on this weekend on Superstars. Curses that we don't have that on the network, that episode. <laughs> Savage gives us a topical reference that actually makes sense. No. Well, kind of. It's actually half clever, even though it's not, like, laugh out loud. In reference to Bob Beckwith's eating marijuana line, which is effing killer, Savage gives us the chewed but didn't swallow joke in reference to Bill Clinton, where he smoked marijuana but he didn't inhale.
1: I'm with you. So that
3: was actually half. So that was actually half clever.
1: It was for Savage, I think, because he's just been he's just been striking out so much lately. It was I was I just didn't even spot this because he's 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 just been striking out so often. Well, it wasn't a home run,
3: this line. It was more like he, uh, the bases were loaded and the guy in the septum with a fastball.
1: <laughs> That's better than <laughs> some of the shots he's had lately.
3: <laughs> and it walked in the guy on third. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we get this great sequence with Holly and Riggins, reversals and all this, and Holly ends it with, a, with this borderline backdrop driver out of the Dr. Death playbook.
1: Yeah, I like that. Bob Holly could go, man. He certainly could.
3: I wish Bob Holly had been in WCW facing like Barbarian and Mang and like all the mean guys Ooh, on like Saturday Night and like stuff. Do you reckon
1: he would have had a bit of a rep fighting some of the, the the beefier boys?
3: That'd have been fun to watch because Holly could hold up his end. We learned that Bob Holly is going to be in the Snowball Derby in December, which I don't think is a NASCAR race, <laughs> but it's um. It's a race.
1: <laughs> I'm not familiar with the Snowball Derby.
3: I wasn't either, and I, and I still know nothing about it. I, I could have researched it, but... Eh.
2: <laughs> I just didn't.
3: Hmm. Sad was about the Slim Jim car, which he doesn't mention the part he says, like, and in a few months, it's going to be employed by Ted Turner and Eric Bischoff. He doesn't mention that part. Although, I want a Slim Jim car now. I figured it would be like the Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile <laughs> car to just threw sort of Slim Jims to people.
1: I know we're working hard this week, John. <laughs> but... You picture,
3: picture the jingle as it drives by. See a bunch of adult men running after it with money in their hands. Ah!
1: <laughs> if I if I
3: if I ever carjacked a vehicle that'd be the one <laughs> 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 Now Reno Riggins has the audacity to make the, sh- the show interesting.
1: Reno was great.
5: <laughs> even he he even tries to get with a
1: catchphrase
3: over. Yes, he does. He goes for a superplex on Bob Holly, and yells to the sparse crowd of 14 people,
1: "Now you're going to see a Reno plex." <laughs> yes. I want to see a Reno plex. Why is Kurt Keranic on this show? <laughs> Reno Riggins is wrestling this match perfectly.
3: <laughs> he certainly he is. He certainly
1: bloody is. What a guy. And he hates rap. I think also in this match, I seem to remember he looked into the camera and went, I'm Reno Riggins. Like like we were meant yes. to be frightened. And I'm proud of him for doing that.
3: <laughs> well, Tom, you got to understand that PJ Walker just got upgraded to being out of Montoya. If that's, You want to call that an upgrade? But at least it's a contract job. He's probably thinking enhancement talent at this point have an opportunity to advance in like a contract position. All you got to do is just show a little flair out there. And he's probably thinking, this is my big break.
1: I feel like everybody should be thinking that though. Like it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be unusual for a talent to come along and go, I want to go out there and just really try and own it. It just seems Mm -hmm. weird that it's such a a foreign concept to so many. (laughs)
3: So, I mean, some of these guys have, have have like day jobs that they're just happier doing in addition to like enhancement talent work. So it's just they'd rather be the weekend warrior maybe than you know, be a full time guy.
1: Yeah, I suppose.
3: I suppose. So for some guys, that this is just like that's an easy five hundred bucks or whatever. You can take six moves and then go home. So unfortunately, there was no Renoplex as Bob Holly shoved Riggins to the mat and get the. And got this really good looking high cross body that landed like right on Reagan's head. And that was your finish. Bob Holly wins. So the Jobbers are 0-2 so far. Oh man. Next week, on Monday Night Raw, in a match that probably should have let off this taping, as opposed to Jarrett and Doink. We get, we have Intercontinental Champion Razor Ramon taking on Yokozuna.
1: Now I am fascinated by this match. Same. I am so fascinated to see how Ramon and Yoko will work together.
3: It's gonna to be uh, it's gonna be fascinating, because because Yoko at this point he um I mean he's he's still really good in the ring for a monster, but usually he does better with guys that he throws around. And Razor for being fairly agile for a guy his size isn't really the throw around type. So, how is this gonna work?
1: Mm, it could it could be a really intriguing match. Or it could be a massive train wreck.
3: That's what I love about it. There's so much possibility, yeah. so much range. I'm,
1: I am in. I'm in for this one.
3: What I'm not in for is this next match. IRS versus Tim McNeely.
2: <laughs> now,
3: I'm going to point something out here. When I do my notes, I do like one line, enter, one line, enter, or return, Rather. For the Heavenly Bodies match coming up, I have, let me count here. I have 13 lines of comments and quips and stuff. Okay. For the Holly Riggins match, I had nine. <laughs> okay. For, 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 for the Bordal Raymond match, I had, hang on, I had 16. Iris McNeely. I have five,
1: <laughs> and three of and three of them are pre-match stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think the the, the big thing for this match is not nothing to do with the match at all. It is to do with the uh, the the punk card that IRS throws down whilst mm. whilst Ted DiBiase's music is playing.
3: Yes, IRS is um he has the microphone and he avows to expose the biggest tax sheet in the in the history of the WWF. The Undertaker.
1: <laughs> does that mean? Yes, it does. We're getting an Undertaker versus IRS feud. Yes. <laughs> Death and taxes, <laughs> baby.
3: And if IRS can't win it, then he'll just sick one of his kids on him in 20 years.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's right. Bo Dallas. That's right. <laughs> And then we get a bizarre moment where Vince says Mcnini has obviously paid his taxes.
1: How's that obvious? Uh, he has. Like, he has a receipt stuck to his shoe. Well, I was going to say, like, well, obviously he's paid his taxes. Like, no, you don't know because he could because cause he couldn't afford to buy a drink backstage. He's broke. He's paid all his tax for the year, and he hasn't put any away. So it's just come out of his last paycheck.
3: Like, 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 what physical attributes that a person could have? Look like, at like, well, it has to have how far apart his teeth are. <laughs> if they're put together, then he's a tax cheat. He
1: doesn't look guilty around. <laughs> no, no, we know he's paid his taxes. What's the giveaway? Well, IRS has turned up, and he hasn't pretended to be out. <laughs> 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 so he's this welcomed matches. him in and made him a drink and gone to get a filing cabinet with all his notes in. <laughs> I can't
3: imagine IRS socializing.
1: <laughs> he does, it's just called an audit.
3: <laughs> it's uh it's just so bizarre to see IRS like express emotion.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine a time when he has. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him emote.
3: <laughs> can you
2: imagine
3: can you imagine a microtunda shoot interview? I can't.
1: No. I can't ex- I can't imagine <laughs> getting excited or or He must have done one though.
3: I don't know, cause he's been with this company for a while. Mm. I mean, he was he was furloughed recently.
1: Yeah. Maybe we'll get maybe we'll get one now.
3: There's a story in Justin Roberts' book where he was having some sort of medical issue, with, with like a, he burned the roof of his mouth almost completely off from like hot food, and he was bleeding a lot as a result. And IRS showed concern for him backstage, and I'm like, wow, that's jarring. <laughs> IRS is like expressing a human emotion. <laughs>
1: How bad is that, though, that we just think, oh, he's he's definitely, he's definitely an alien.
3: That's the part of the book I remember the most, actually. <laughs> so anyway, the, this match is just, you know, it's the basic IRS match, kind of, it's there. All right, Suplex connects, and he finishes with the penalty, which is the good version of the STF. IRS wins.
1: And off we Suplex go can- to that glorious irs versus undertaker feud in a bit
3: i uh, know i can't wait
1: they're playing the long game with this because we've got um small matter of a casket match still to ponder
3: yes we have footage of taker haunting yoko further there's a bit on superstars over the weekend where paul bearer wheeled a casket to the ring and yoko sold it with a fall because we're rehashing stuff from 10 months ago for, for those who miss it the first time and judging by the numbers a lot of people missed it the first time <laughs> Yoko up with a fall and then stumbles off into, into the darkness and
1: uh yeah it's alright did the job off do we go to Undertaker versus Yokozuna nearly nearly here they've been doing this on Almost the house here. show circuit so they're warming people up for it
3: it's the heart attack tour or the hand breaking tour for, for HBK he's the Handbrake Kid. Hey! He's, I'm proud of that one. In a match that I was hoping would be good, but I was unfortunately, was unfortunately disappointed. The Heavenly Bodies versus Nick Barbary and Barry
1: Hartwick. Giving some love to Jim Cornette before this match started, where he said that uh, the Heavenly Bodies have won more wrestling matches than Elvis and the Beatles combined.
3: Well, that's true. And
1: it's very true. <laughs>
3: No one's doubting the factual nature of that statement.
1: No, nope. it's, it's
3: 100% fact. That's like saying I've been to more American restaurants than you have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true, actually. Try to think of the ones I've been to. <laughs> Sizzler. You, you've been to a Sizzler? That's right. I've been to several. Been to a I mean, restaurants
3: in, I mean, restaurants in America on, on, US, on soil, U.S. soil. That was on U.S. soil.
1: I went to Sizzler in Orlando, Florida.
3: Wow, I've never been to oh, Sizzler oh, actually. It's
1: great, just all you could eat buffet. I, I, sadly, I think I think that is dying out.
3: Uh, I've been to Golden Corral. That was nice. good enough.
1: I've been to Cracker Barrel.
3: Right now, I'm hungry. Been thanks. to Lone Star. I've been to Lone been Star.
1: Bennigan's. Been, been to get... Taco Bell.
3: I've been to been there uh, countless I've times.
1: Been to Charlie's Outback Steakhouse in Orlando.
3: I've been to regular Outback Steakhouse, of course. I've been to Bennigan's, um,
1: eat there a lot. Very nice. I've been to Denny's, been to an IHOP. I've been to Denny's, IHOP I've yes. Into uh, this is the podcast now. It's Tom remembering restaurants in America that he's been <laughs> to. Burger King on on International Drive. I've, I eat BK a it's lot. That one. Chick Fil A. I love Chick Fil A. Been to Dunkin' Donuts. Keep going. Of American course. American one. Been... America. I've eaten a sandwich in a Walgreens. Does that count?
3: Um, I guess. <laughs>
1: Does that count as a restaurant? I've been to... <laughs> I've been to... I've been to Crab Shack in Tampa. Uh... <laughs> it was...
3: Well, speaking of crab shack, Jimmy Delray gyrate <laughs> before the match. Good
1: save, mate. Back to the show. <laughs> Good
3: recovery. Jimmy Del Rey is a fascinating human. Dude. Oh, he really is, isn't he? He's fun to watch in the same way that Luke Harper was fun to watch. Because you're just like, like, what is this? You're just drawn in, aren't uh, but, you?
1: You're just, you're just very fascinated. <laughs> it's like a form of know, weird it's, art.
3: It's, it's, it's... <laughs> Speaking of
1: weird, what was up with Nick Barbary's hair in this match? <laughs> yeah, what? A, I'm I'm slightly I'm fascinated by that particular haircut that Barbary had it, going on here. And the team, you know what? Fair play though to the team of Nick Barbary and Barry Horowitz, who took time to learn a tag team taunt.
3: They did. I, I missed that part. At the very
1: start of the match, Barbary just thumbs up and points at Barry Horowitz, who's patting his own back.
3: I oh, see, they're in unison Yeah, here.
1: I like the effort.
3: <laughs> but but just to describe uh, Barbary's hair here, it's gelled up in two directions like Mickey Mouse ears.
1: It's a, it's a look.
3: It is a look, and that is factual. We get Harwitz versus um, Pritchard for a bit, which is Barry Harwich versus a body Donna. Pseudo-foreshadowing.
1: Oh, so it is.
3: It's especially jobbers get offense, like, as Harwitz and Barbary are kicking some early ass here.
1: They go for it.
3: Pritchard and Delray are just selling their stuff. But the tide turns when when, when Delray goes for the wraparound DDT on Barbary, and Barbary falls way too soon. He goes down a bit quick, uh, didn't he? Uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. Shame because it, it was pretty good up to that point. Vince calls Delray one of the more repulsive wrestlers. That sounds sounds mean.
1: Unnecessary.
3: I mean, why? Because he's covered in chest hair. It looks like burnt toast. (laughs) was very mean. We get the underrated move, the atomic leg drop, where Delray picks Pritchard up for an atomic drop but just drops him leg first on the guy. I like that move. It's nice and simple. Mm. So Barbary takes a beating. Delray, I'm sorry, Pritchard gives the gut wrench power bomb, the doctor bomb. Then Pritchard goes up for the moonsault. He badly misses it and lands on Barbary's legs. Which I assume which I assume is why Barbary couldn't kick out because um you know his, his legs were broken.
2: <laughs>
3: he just that's it and now, I,
1: his legs, and I don't think he ever wrestled again after this. <laughs> and the bodies win. Yay! Well done, bodies. Quite enjoyed the the finish to that. It was good.
3: Well, up until the light breaking moves so. all. <laughs> the bodies were a good moves team. A very good moves team. And after the match, Savage says of Yokozuna,
1: next week he'll either be the champion or in a box. <laughs> That's um, so like, just... so he's either gonna win the belt or die. Yeah.
3: Well either I guess there's already two streams of life, aren't they?
1: You either win the belt, or you die. You get Razor winning, or you get Razor dying.
3: <laughs> razor wins. Fatality. Yes, <laughs> we're having the um, Onita death match next week. <laughs> Come on, Yoko, you're Japanese. You know how this works. <laughs> um, uh. My name's Rodney.
1: <laughs> it's funny because his name is Rodney. <laughs> now, see, I forgot that his name was Rodney, and now all I'm going to see is Rodney. <laughs> here is the mighty Rodney. <laughs> I think that's finished off Yoko for me forever.
3: <laughs> we we cut to a pensive Lex Luger who's here for an interview. Luger has—he's wowing the charisma like a seven-stage serial killer here. He <laughs> looks like he's being forced to make an endorsement against his will. He's, he says he, he—he doesn't like what Backlund has become. He then stumbles more than I do while talking. Except he's had time—I mean, I had time to prepare. I just don't prepare.
1: <laughs> you just choose not to prepare, sir.
3: No, it's—I'm very proud of my lack of preparation. Then Luger formally issues the challenge to Backlund. Not for next week, but on a, on some distant day, while he's still
1: working here, keep it vague and... keep it vague because they will they'll pull it out of the mothballs at some point. You
3: know, I gotta say, Survivor Series is like five weeks away, is it not?
1: Something like that, yeah. It's certainly getting very close.
3: What do we know for that show officially? Like, what has been announced?
1: Uh, okay, so far. All they've done is tease Doink and Jerry Lawler building an army. Yeah.
3: And we're not the only ones who've noticed this lack of preparation for one of your cornerstone tent pole events of the year. Because our good friend Strumberwitz has also noticed hey! this. <laughs> and I think it's time we throw it over to, you know, Mr. Troubadour himself, who will melodically talk about major problem with the WWF today by say I mean 1994 Straubowitz why don't you take it away
5: take it away my boy Straubowitz Backlund says he doesn't swallow trees and he meant it Yet Lex Luger has the nerve to question his tenants Skyster says the Undertaker is behind on his arrears Maybe his son will come to collect in 20 years Check out the mid-card struggling with jobbers Who each got in three moves before they were clobbered Sleazy's debut in Shores, scores to be settled But tonight he got sent flying ass over Kettle Razor's facing Yoku next week for the icy title. Vince thinks that the Conway Twitty story was vital. So much was going on, but I have got a query. What does any of this have to do with Survivor Series? The Gun Dance Survivor Series is only five weeks away. Not one single has been announced or conveyed. Thanksgiving Eve's gonna be here before you know. But you couldn't tell them by watching the show. All I'm hearing about is why every game shows suck. And our action zone will tell football to get f- But at least the NFL built to its important games. I just wish Vince's product could do the same.
3: Hey! I mean, that's all the problems right there. Out
1: of the hat, once again, this man goes. That was Monday Night Raw. Thank you, Strubowitz, for ending it on a high. Um, Bring on Survivor Series.
3: Yeah, whatever's going to be on This big mystery meal.
1: <laughs> and you have been dining with at JRH writing on Twitter. Uh, the musical...
3: We still have next week the cover. Next week's show.
1: Oh, okay. Yes, next week. So, <laughs> Ramon and Yokozuna. Huh?
3: Yes, we have Diesel and singles action. We have Brett and no, this Sunday on, on Action Zone. And Pettenkill has some sort of
1: announcement to make.
3: Oh. Hopefully they is quitting.
1: Oh. <laughs> How do you feel if Todd Pettenkill... <laughs> came out okay. no other partner. <laughs> he walked out of the ring he hands he hands the microphone to Art Donovan and says you go and be an announcer because I'm going to go and be a mother <laughs> I was you'd say Scott Shannon
2: <laughs> or Scott
3: Shannon or I can make better jokes than you <laughs> Just think at this point in history, Tommy, mm-hmm. they have already filmed all the video of Randy Savage they will ever film.
1: Oh, man. That's depressing. Whatever it's true. again.
3: Yes. He never comes back. We will be macho list from that point on. It's okay, Tom. We'll get through this. But hang on. Man, press... This awful year of 1994.
1: A... A WWF, worse, don't worry. a WWF, without Macho Man. I, Justin,
3: Justin. <sighs> I, I know. Justin. I, yes.
1: I, I don't know what that means.
3: No one knows what that means.
1: Oh. He is at JRH writing. I am at Tom Cavallone's business. Together we are at Colter We will see you next week. We do know
5: what that means.
4: I love you. Bye.